Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Kanyan and Dennis Dick. It's going to be one of those days, folks, just when you thought you were out, they pulled you back in with that volatility. So we'll talk about that's pretty much the story of the show today, pretty much is just the overnight weakness here and how we're positioned for the week of the uh, the COVID trade, the coronavirus trade, whatever you want to call it. Uh, back on here this morning, a weekend full of uh, headlines about rising case counts, uh, both overseas and in the U.S., uh, particularly in the South, uh, Southeast and Southwest. So that has the market in a tizzy this morning. I'll let Joel come on here now. Joel, why don't you uh, unmute yourself and give us a quick update here on what is happening here overnight, or at least this morning, because uh, not looking good. Ah, good morning, and traders and investors uh, around the world. Welcome to this Monday edition, Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Not looking great here this morning. Kind of a choppy day on Friday. We were up, we were down, and settled just kind of just over uh, 3,000. Bad news overnight, folks. Uh, the bad news is that we're down 57 handles. The really bad news is that we were 40 points off the low. We got down to 29, 23.75. Uh, we haven't seen those levels since last month. We got a nice bounce. We're trying to clear last week's low. Uh, that's my number for this morning, 29.71. That was Friday's low. We're trying to clear that pre-market high, 29.97.75. I guess I could cancel my orders at unchanged on the session, 30.23.75. We will not be seeing that today. Uh, crude in the red by 88 cents at 35.38. Gold not acting like a safe haven, down 23 bucks at 17.06.30. Silver closer to 17 and 18, down 33 cents at 17.15 and a half. And Bitcoin just can't clear 10,000. Been major resistance there, down $320, 9,145. Uh, I know Triple D is in the trade cave here and pretty busy this morning, so he will come on as he I'm can. Here. I'm here. You're here? Oh, yeah, I'm here. There was a little bit of uh, the SP spells like six, seven handles there. I was like, Fell, 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 and I was like, okay, got to, got, got to go for a minute here and <laughs> move some orders around. So, obviously, um, it's a lot of volatility again here overnight. I kind of suspected that we were going to sell off over the weekend, so I biased myself short, which is should nice. hopefully pay off a little here bit this here morning. Too. Oh well, it, the reason was, and you know, obviously, I was came on bearish on the show on Friday. You know, when we were up three oh nine or up to you know three oh nine on the spy, and we were. Um, during the pre-market there. We opened near the highs. We hung out there for a little while in the morning, and then we started to leak. And this is typical. So for you newer traders out there, when you get a big flush, and this is what we're talking about, the Thursday flush, when the markets drop the big 1,800 Dow points, you often get a little snapback rally. You get a little bounce where people are coming in, okay, I want to buy the dip. I want to come in and buy the stocks on the cheap. Usually that initial snapback rally is faded. And that's exactly what we saw. It was textbook. 
Um, we held up for about the first half an hour of trading in a lot of stocks. And then they just started to succumb to the selling pressure. People nervous from before. A lot of people were in airlines and they were getting their money back from the day before. I used the opportunity to lighten up stocks that I had bought the day before as well, because I'd bought some stocks thinking on Thursday that, well, we could bounce here and, you know, we continued to leak. And then we did get the bounce overnight on Thursday night coming Friday and we're trading up significantly and a lot of stocks back to where they were trading. Even, you know, earlier on the Thursday, it gave you an opportunity to get out. So I lightened up a whole bunch of stocks, sold my Spotify, sold my TD Bank, which I bought the day before, um, sold a number of stocks into that rally. And obviously now we're looking at the market significantly low, about 100 points down from there. So the question now, what do you do now? I mean... This is a real battleground. This 3,000 has memory. It's been here. It's probably going to be a battleground too. I don't think they're going to flush another 1,000 Dow points today. Um, I think the flush already That's not the way happened. they do it, Dennis. How do they, they do they, it? They, Tell they me how they do it. They nick you to death. They nick you, nick you, nick yeah. you. Just kind of like on the way out. I just want to throw one thing in here. Uh, we weren't up a little bit Friday morning. We were up a lot. A lot. It was we a gift. Were, yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing I think you guys heard me talk about is like the average daily trading range, right? Like how much expectations do you have a stock or a future to move? And we had already exceeded th the, my target for the day. That means for the whole trading range for the day. So when we went a little, another 10 points and could it hold, that was really bad. That that was a bad sign here. But I just I just want to throw it in because sometimes if you come up your thirty up thirty handles, but your range is only thirty five, you know, then you can expect you know more of a run. But we were up seven sixty seventy handles already, and the average daily range I think on Friday was about seventy. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Triple like D. people who are buying Friday morning. Um... Just, you know, it's, it's very rare to see if you're buying Friday morning, you're basically saying we're going to get it all back. And it's very rare to see an 1800 point Dow move down and then just see an 1800 Dow point move up. You know, you, you're going to see this very rarely ever happen. Usually there's a move down, a little bounce, and then a continued move down. And it's a textbook. This is all textbook stuff. So for the newer traders, you just got to, you know, be careful when you see a big flush like that. What happens is you have the short-term money caught. So all the day traders, that, and then especially the newer ones, there's two months of new traders in here that have only seen it up market. And they've been rewarded every time they've come and bought that dip. So that's what you saw Friday, the, these newer traders coming in and saying, oh, yeah, we're gonna, oh, this is a dip. I got to buy this. Well, it's not a dip anymore if it's bounced back half of the losses. So if you're coming and buying American Airlines Friday morning, you weren't buying at the prices that it was Thursday night, you're buying, you know, American Airlines 10, 15% up. So that was the opportunity to sell, not buy. And now we're going to go down and we're going to retest those lows probably. Again, all that's going to matter going forward here, it didn't matter. The virus didn't matter for the last two months. We were reopening. It was all good. But now all of a sudden you're seeing some states, you're seeing some problems in China. You're seeing the virus perk up here again. So the market is now again, looking at the numbers on the virus and they're nervous. And over the weekend, the numbers weren't great again. Spencer, what happened over the weekend with the virus? 
Yeah, in roughly half the states, or maybe a little bit more now, uh, cases are the number of cases is increasing. The the daily uh, daily new case rate is increasing, particularly in the south and southeast, uh, southwest. Uh, California uh, is is a hot spot. Florida, North Carolina, Texas, Arizona. Those are all states that had over a thousand uh, new cases. Um, this is as of yesterday. So it was yesterday yeah. and also that same number on Saturday. So you're seeing the, the case rate pick up uh, in, in, like I said, in, in at least half the country, also in Beijing as well, they shut down a, a market, a seafood market again. Uh, so we wondered last week, what a, what a weekend, as I said, what, what a weekend full of uh, headlines like this could do. Right. If if because we saw this happening last week, we saw it in Arizona, we saw it in California, we saw it in Texas, we saw it as far back as like last Tuesday, and we wondered, well, what what would a full weekend do of headlines about rising case uh, case counts? And now we know. I mean, and if you look back to the history of the Spanish flu, it wasn't the first wave that got everybody; it was the second wave. So, and you just think about, you know, and everybody's kind of going back to the usual ways. I mean, I've got looser. I've seen some people that I hadn't seen before from a distance, but, you know, I was kind of very strict on real lockdown. Now I don't even want to go outside and kind of talk to my neighbor type of deal. But, you know, now I've loosened up a bit. I'm not cleaning my groceries as much. I've loosened up a little bit. Um, So if I'm loosening up, there's a lot of people that are very much loosening up and just kind of going back about their business. So it's not surprising that you would start to see an uptick here. Again, we kind of thought, I kind of thought, Scott Gottlieb had said that maybe the weather would counter that. So, you know, you're getting warmer weather, people are outside more, it's not going to be as, you know, as much, you know, increase there. So maybe we just kind of see the curve flatline here for a little bit. And I even speculated that it might not be that bad, you know, until we get late into summer and into September. I, I do suspect the second wave, I always did, that's why I kept a lot of cash in my portfolio, but it looks like the summer isn't helping that much. So that's a concern as well. So lots of reasons to be concerned here. The biggest thing, though, to understand is if, you know, and Mnuchin said there's absolutely no way we're going into a second lockdown. There's absolutely no way we're shutting the country down. Well, that's not Mnuchin's call. That's an individual state call as well. The states can do what they want to do individually. So we know there's more aggressive states like Michigan that was shutting stuff down very quickly. There's other states that were hesitant to shut down. So it's going to be state to state call. Um, but if you get to a situation where there's hospitalization starting to go way up again, there'll be some more uh, policies coming in to not maybe necessarily throw us into a full lockdown, but to social distance. And the, the, the last thing people are going to want to do is fly on an airplane. So the airplanes are still ground zero for this. Now, you've got a significant pullback. And if you do believe we're going to get ahead of the virus and we're going to be okay and the airlines will be able to survive for the next year, even you know, with the lower volumes then, you know, now is the time if you wanted to, if you wanted to, not chasing American Airlines up at $22, but now you're down here at 15. I would say I'd use 1407 as my out. If you wanted to buy the dip today, and I'm not picking on airlines, you know, the stocks I've been picking on is tech stocks, stocks that are doing well, but I'm picking just on meaning in a good way, in a good way. Pick, picking on means stocks that you're yeah, like Yeah, like coming yeah. in and buying stocks. If you're talking about the stocks I want to buy, I want to buy the tech stocks on pullbacks. You know, I've, I've always been, you know, heavy in tech. Tech has been performing. I mean, the airlines weren't great stocks even before this thing started. Correct. I mean, look at the American Airlines chart. You know, you think you're buying a good stock. Well, before this bloody thing started, American Airlines, so the last two years, have been going straight down from 50 to 30. So they weren't firing on all cylinders. So you look at it here and you think, um, if you want to go 
you know, and, and, and look at these stocks that have really been beat, the reopening stocks. You're getting an opportunity in those now. So chasing is not the thing. You're definitely not chasing now. American Airlines <laughs> is now seven points off the highs. The 2280, you know, when you could really feel that upside capitulation day when we called it on this show. Um, but now you look and you think, okay, 1407. So I have myself an out of American Airlines. Let's go look at Delta. Um, same story. You got the low 2660. So if you're buying this morning 28, I'd stop myself out at those lows. I don't want to see the stock make a new low on the move because then I get concerned that this could really get ugly. So you could set up a trade. You could do it and say it's going to bounce. I don't know if we're going to bounce. I don't think anybody knows. This is a real tough market to call. Give me a battleground of 3,000. I don't think anybody knows if we're going to bounce right back or if we're going to continue to leak here. But if you are inclined to buy the dip, what I'm telling you is have yourself an out. And I would stop myself out at Thursday's lows on all these stocks. Um, if, you know, and obviously there's some stocks trading through Thursday's lows, and maybe those are no touches. But there's a lot of stocks still holding on to Thursday's lows. Norwegian Cruise Line, 1645. It got down to on Thursday. It's 18 and a quarter this morning. So that would be my stop out if I was buying these things on the dip. Couple caveats here before uh, before we drill down into some of the technicals on this stuff. Uh, number one, you will get people saying more testing, more cases, which is definitely true. For sure, right? To yeah. your, okay. Yeah. The second thing is, is that people were saying, well, oh, the cases are going to be where the protests were. All right. Uh, well, the there protests was, were everywhere, though. <laughs> the protests were everywhere, but there major were cities. There were major cities in Detroit, and you know, knock on wood. You know, I haven't seen or heard of a, a major resurgence. Now, Michigan stayed, uh, you know, closed sooner and stayed closed sooner a lot longer than other states. So we're going to see how those um, how those correlations work out. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is forget COVID. OK, forget all this stuff. What do we have at the end of this week? When do you have major turns in the market? When do you have excess volatility? Every quarter. Come on, guys, wake up. No, I know. I'm waiting for I thought Dennis was I, I thought you were just asking yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> quad I ask myself questions all the time and answer them. So Right. You have a quad witch and it's offer major turning points in the market. I talked about the rollover last week. And it was a weak rollover. The open interest is shifting over now. Now, I mean, and the other thing, too, is that a lot of this trot, man, unless you were you were coming in short or playing it overnight, man, you're not catching much of it. Kind of like on the way up. You know, it was that sneaky rally on the way up. You come up 50, and then we'd hang out, you know, up 40 yeah, on the day. day. We haven't been going up. It was the yeah. overnight ramps we were talking about forever. Yep. It's ramping overnight, ramping overnight. I mean, I've talked about this. This is why I've switched my trading overnight so I can capture these moves. I'm, I'm done with, you know, just to sit an intraday and watching them. a thing chop around. I want to see moves. You know, I want to get feel. It was good feel on Friday that I thought that the bounce would be faded. So I'm getting paid for that call. And, you know, and obviously leaning more towards the short side. Now, obviously my long-term investments are a different story. I always stay long-term invested, but, you know, that's a different story. I'm putting my trading hat on and I've been leaning short. I leaned short Friday and I leaned short this morning. And that's where, you know, you've got, you make these calls, these intraday calls and, you know, are there these, you know, overnight calls and there's opportunities there. The big moves are made overnight. I've always, you know, I moved 10 years ago to overnight trading because that's where the money is. I'm going to go to where I can make the most money and I make the most money trading overnight. Right, uh, I just wanna... want to give my condolences to J.V. Speck. His aunt died from COVID on Saturday. Oh, J.V. No. Speck is a great person in her chat. He's in there all the time. He's been in there for years. So J.V. Speck, 
you have our condolences. Um, sorry for your loss. I mean, this is going, this is touching people that we know. Um, you know, when you have 100,000 people uh, dead from COVID, it's awful. And, you know, if the numbers keep going up, eventually it's going to touch everyone. Everybody's going to know somebody that's died from this. It's horrible. This, the, 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 you know, you can talk to markets about it, but, you know, these are real people. These are real people that have lost from this. And, you know, it's a really sad thing. And that's why I would say exactly what they're saying on TV. Wear a mask. People don't want to wear a mask. They I say, wear I won't I wear don't. a mask. But you know what? You're not just protecting yourself. You're protecting other people from spreading it. So if you're going to go out in public, put some type of face I, covering on. I, I think because that's you don't part, know. part of it. That's part of it. It's, it. it's not just the reopening. It's not just that. It's the reopening and the fact that a lot of people aren't wearing They refuse to. Right. I, I mean, Nick Shaheen was on this show and said he absolutely refuses to wear a mask. Nick, we respect. We like Nick a lot. I wish Nick would wear, wear a mask if he's going out, though, because yeah. it's not just about yourself. It's about what if you've been in contact with another person, you're asymptomatic, but you're still spreading, and then you talk to another person and they get sick. I mean, how would you feel? I'd feel very bad if I you know, didn't know I was sick. I went out, I talked to somebody, and then they got sick from me afterwards. I mean, you know, and maybe it's a, a person with an underlying health condition that isn't going to be able to fight it off as well. So when I go anywhere in public, um, I'm wearing a mask. I mean, you don't have to wear a mask in your own home, obviously, and stuff. Like, we're not saying, you know, you Actually, I do when my, mother, when my mother-in-law is over. Well, it's not I a do. bad idea. Yeah, yeah, somebody else is over. Yeah, yeah that's mean, not a bad idea at all. Yeah, she's recovering. Yeah, she's had yeah. some serious illnesses. And when she's in the house, and where, I mean, we try and eat outside of stuff, that's what I do. But, you know, another thing, too, and Dennis is almost like, you were talking like to Lisa over the weekend because what she's been saying this whole time is like, find me a pandemic that doesn't last at least a year. Find me a pandemic that doesn't have a second wave. And you've got to, and it just, it's just not possible. So this isn't going away. It, it doesn't necessarily have to get as bad as it was before, but you know, let's not be naive here. You know, looking at, you know, past history of pandemics, they don't, mm. they just don't, they just don't disappear all of a sudden. So uh, how it's going to affect the market, we see the volatility. Uh, Spencer took all the signs down. So Why did you take have... the signs down, Spencer? Yeah, Spencer. You Talk didn't check us. with us. Why did the signs come down right. here? I'm going to lower my... Because uh, I'm coming to the office now. Uh, and right now I'm the only person in here, actually. <laughs> I'm coming to the office and uh, it just felt like it was time. I don't know. I got... Tired of looking at them after three months. I we have pictures. We love the signs. Well, you know, it's not like there wasn't stuff there before. I took it down and I wanted to put it back up. Uh, I got tired of looking at signs. I'm I'm coming into the office. I I don't have a, unless I guess I can take the signs and put them behind me. I guess I don't know. But uh, are you you're the only one in there today? Where's Where's Luke and Jason? Uh, I am the only person here right now. So <laughs> most of Benzinga is still working from home. Uh, yeah, almost everybody there, there are a yeah. small, like less than five of us have been coming into the office. Um, Lunch is on me for the office today. Everybody okay. in the office. Uh, Joel's going to take that day. <laughs> I was, all, I would have, I would have taken that day too. <laughs> Thanks Joel. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it, you know, it's fun. It's just, it's so it's, it's what I was saying earlier. It's not just the reopening. It's the fact that people aren't wearing masks. We went out for breakfast. We haven't gone out for breakfast, which was one, one of our favorite things to do. We went out on Saturday. Uh, we were we were like the first ones at this restaurant for the day. Where'd you go? Uh, just a local local place, a local S- diner near us. Scramblers. And... Actually, yes. <laughs> Called a chill Big omelets, man. They're anyway, like, anyway, no, no, no. But we we wore masks, and then you take it off to eat, of course. But we were the only people there when we got there. Um, 
first time I've done that in three months. So I don't know. I'm just trying to get back to to our, our lives here, you know. Yeah, great. But but it's it's tough. So D- I'm just, yeah, try to go back and, to your and lives. You know, and you know what? It's it's wow. one of those things where it's like I went from. Uh, I think I may have mentioned this a few weeks ago. I was all gung ho mask. If you don't wear a mask, you're you are you're putting us all at risk. And but the more you see other people not wearing masks, the more it like the social right. Uh, you, you pick up pick up the social cues off that. Well, if they're not wearing a mask, and if they're not wearing a mask, well then why should I wear a mask? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It becomes easier to justify not wearing a mask if you see everyone else. Like looking at all those protests, one of my biggest takeaways aside from the protests themselves was wow, almost nobody that I'm seeing is wearing masks. So yeah. it must be. You can almost convince yourself like it must be okay. You know what I mean? It yeah, must, oh, okay. I, I agree. It's 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 tough. Like I mean, you're you're setting a, an example by not wearing the mask that it's acceptable to not wear a mask, and then you know other people think, okay, well I'm not going to wear a mask either because I'm an easy because you're not wearing a mask and I don't want to wear a mask. They're they're horrible to breathe in. Like I mean, my wife went out yesterday and we both had N95s on, and Laura gets back and, and gets outside and she's like, I can't take it. You know, this N95 like just having it on like it's so hard to breathe in. It, it's it is tougher to breathe in a little bit but i mean we're tough enough you can tough it out if you go into a store if you got to go into a place you know where it's unsafe for 20 minutes you know i we're, i'm not it's not that hard to have the mask on breathe you can breathe in it lisa wears one all day long it's, yeah exactly That's so it. exactly That's you have doctors that have to wear these things all day long like lisa we can't tough it out for 20 minutes in a, in a place i mean tough it out that's what I say. So, I mean, people get upset and people are upset with me saying that you should wear a mask. But this is my opinion that if you're going to go out, we're going to real. If we just re, let's just put a scenario out there. If we just go about our business and go back to the way it was, we're, it's going to, COVID's going to take off again. We're going to be right back in the same situation. So if we're going to go about our business, we've got to do it in a smarter way. There's no way that we can just go about our business and expect that COVID's just not going to start to pick up again. You know, some people believe it's just the flu, but I've seen these x-rays of these lungs and stuff. And I think it's, you know, I, I think it's crazy to think that it's just the flu, but you know, people are entitled to their opinions. But all I'm saying, even if you have your opinion, you should respect other people's opinions as well. And there's a lot of people out there who are very scared of this virus. So that's why I say where I'm at. And it just, it feels like we all kind of decided and we'll move on back to stocks after. Yeah, this. we're coming back to stocks. Yeah. People are uh, it just, it just feels like everyone decided that, oh, you know, it's over, you know? It feels like we all just collectively decide the market was going up. We're going back to new highs. It's over. Crisis, crisis over. And this is a you know what this reminds. And I, I hate to say, call. I hate to say this. I hate to say this, but you know when you know Dennis and I originally freaked out like at the end of January, and the market just went straight up. Remember that to new all time highs, straight up. Yeah. It wouldn't stop going up. I it got the whole stop. first round of puts expired worthless. You did too. <laughs> we had puts on the airlines. We were like, I'm protecting my portfolio and I'm going to, you know, if, and this market should roll over. And had the one little blip in January that went up for a month. I was three Straight weeks early up. on that. I know. So, I mean, it's the same thing. We've been going up. The, the virus does matter, folks. That people don't want to talk about the virus and they just want to forget about the virus. They want to talk about stocks. Well, but it, it, what, it, it, the whole reason matter. we're down. 2,500 Dow points last three days is the virus. This is the reason. It didn't matter for the market for a month and a half, though, two months, which is why people, you know, we because the numbers were going down then. We we were way we were high. The numbers were peaking in April, and then we in New York. Remember, I even tweeted out we're going to have this flattening the curve rally because New York's numbers started to look a little bit better, and we went straight up ever since because the numbers kept coming down. 
but now the numbers are going up again. And if you chart this, you know, and look at the COVID cases and look at, you know, uh, and the S&Ps, there is a correlation here happening. When the S&Ps, when the COVID numbers were coming down, the S&Ps were going up. Oh, when the COVID numbers are going up now, the S&Ps start coming down. So I'm telling you, there's a trade there. You know, it's the reason that, you know, I saved myself a lot of money in my invest portfolio back in January. I was watching what was happening in China. Same thing. It's the reason I stay in cash because I think the second wave is going to eventually come. Is this the start of the second wave? Depends on how we, how we, how we, what we do. It all depends on what human act interaction is going to look like. If we're all going out wearing masks and being safe about it, maybe we can avoid a nasty second wave. If we all go about our business, I think it's inevitable a second wave comes. So let's move to stocks. Okay, just one more thing. We, <laughs> yeah. what, just to complicate things, we don't have worldwide, uh, before worldwide racial tensions and riots going on everywhere. That's true. So true. that, you know, that, I, I'm no economics major, but that can't be good for the economy. That can't be good for store owners that are struggling to get back on their feet. So oh, you horrible. have a second dynamic here that you didn't have before. True. And I did just want to make okay, Spencer. Back yep. to Fox, I want to talk about Hertz here. I oh. was very surprised to see them get permission on Friday from yeah. a bankruptcy judge yeah. uh, to do a shelf offer. To do an offering of $500 million worth of common stock. And I want to pull up in the Benzinga Pro here. I'll pull up uh, an S- uh, a newsfeed from the, of, of SEC filings here. And just so you can see why I'm so perturbed by this. Um, I mean, it's a creative way of raising money, I guess. But look at all, look, all these insider sales, ready? Insiders are selling heavily into this offering, okay? Uh, here, one, two, on Wednesday, okay, last Wednesday. These go are back smaller home. insiders. Yeah, but go, but keep going back here. How many says this is? A, this is from June fifth. Uh, one, two more on June fifth. Go back to the third. One, two, three more on June third. Go back to uh, May 29th. One, two, three, four on the 29th. Insiders are go back 27th. One. Well, that's so, Icon. It's on the bottom. There's your look at icons on the yeah, bottom. Yeah. Hopefully macro that 55 million wow, shares. So I'm my, out. my point is the insiders are selling into I'm, this shelf offering. I'm going to take this a step further and bring this back to the markets because maybe it's selective perception on my part. But I tell you, I watch all these SEC filings all the time very closely in the pro because there's trades off of them. There has been – I've watched these for years. And, Overall. and like I said, maybe it's selective perception, but there is so many – insider sells in the last couple of months so many so many and i feel like this whole market rally is like the company execs are saying that the wall street is selling a main street and i feel like that's been happening here for the last two months where you're just seeing huge amounts of insider selling because they know that their companies are having major issues and if the market wants to be dumb enough to bid their companies like hertz up to five or six bucks when the company's bankrupt They'll sell it to them. I mean, and, you know, we, we saw it with Moderna. We've got a lot of headlines with their selling, but this has been happening on all the stocks. And you know what? It's not that they're, they're doing anything dirty. If the market wants to bid up stocks to prices where they feel like their stock shouldn't be, I mean, Elon Musk has been publicly saying, he's publicly said at $740 that he thinks his stock is overvalued. Well, if you think your stock is overvalued, you're probably going to sell some of it. I'm sure there's a lot of execs out there that are thinking, wow, you know, here's my, you know, looking at my stock, like even looking at Disney, and I, I don't know if there was any insider sales, but I mean, here's a stock that went to $127 last week. 
the bloody parks are closed. They're going to reopen them. It's 38% of the revenues. The parks are closed. The, the movie studios, they're going to reopen them. And that's great news, but they're not going to reopen and be at full capacity. Their revenues are going to be depressed for a long time. So you're telling me that Disney is worth as much as it was when this thing started? It's insane. So, and the pricing is coming back down a little bit more to reality here. Do we get crazy again? Do we go 1999 style and they just buy all these things? It's possible. But at the same time, my investment dollars go into sound companies that are firing on all cylinders. And there's a lot of companies that were just getting money thrown at them that are definitely not firing on all cylinders. And Hertz is the poster child. Oh, I just want to bring this up too. And uh, I did uh, the pre-market prep stock of the day on Friday. Um, I did it on Hertz. Uh, Spencer, can you bring up the monthly of Hertz? Sure. Because I don't know what Wall Street was thinking, but they did a dog and pony show in 2016, and they laid out a three- to five-year business plan back to profitability, right? And that stock, I think it was traded single digits or 15, 20 bucks. It reorgs at like 45, 50 bucks, and then goes up to 55, and then look at the performance since then. So a hook, line, and sinker, man, the street. I, so that's why, I mean, you see it traded down 73 cents. Don't they need to sell that million shares at four bucks? In I, don't order? Think, I don't know. They're no? just trying to raise any money they can. The I billion? Mean, ideally, they, sure, they'd love to sell and raise that up, but you know, they, they're going to try to raise, they're trying to sell 500 million worth of stock. Is that what they said? Yep. What's, so, the, what's the offer? Billion. So much. Okay, so originally. No, it's lower than that now. 500 right. million. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. so they, wanted to, a quarter million, they, yeah. they wanted to raise a billion. And in order to do that, they, they would have had to sell shares at $4. But they're now the offer, they got permission to sell uh, up to $500 million worth of stock. Yeah. I mean, Two any bucks. money is money for them, right? They're trying to you know, survive here somehow. So is there going to be anything left for the shareholders that are taking this offering? I don't think so, but who knows? I mean, there, it's, people think it's possible. So, you know, obviously on Friday's action was, I felt like crazy too, because here's this, a company that announces that they're going to seriously dilute whatever equity is left. And the company rallies from 250 to 350 on that. That's good news. So you're getting punished for that too. And I think it's deserved. I think the people who are buying on Friday were very uninformed on how this stuff works. Just because... They're going to dilute the hell out of it to survive. Doesn't mean the stock should go up. The stock should go down. It's diluted. That means there's more shares out there. It means your percentage ownership of the company will be less. And this is a bankrupt company owned in the first place. So I don't think anybody should own it in the first place. But that's my opinion. It worked very well for people for a few days. Um, but to be up on. on Friday on rumors that they were going to dilute the hell out of their shareholders seems, it seems insane too. So, and now it's deserved. It's down to 212 from 347. It's back to where it should be. And I don't know where this offering price is going to be. I don't know how it's going to go. We know we had one airline member a few weeks ago trying to raise money and it didn't go that well and they only got a portion of it. But um, let's see if they can raise it. Uh, it. It sounds insane to me that a bankrupt company can raise equity on, on potentially shares that are going to be worthless. But this is the market environment that we're have in. You been watching the bonds? Have you been watching the bonds at all? What are they trading at, Hertz? I don't know. Bonds. I mean, just from what I read over the weekend, don't quote me on this. I guess the only re some of the bonds were still trading at like 30 cents on the dollar or something. Yeah, but so, the bonds, so in the case of a bankruptcy, for newer people out there, new to investing, bondholders get paid in whole first. 
whatever is left. And then they go to preferred stock if there's preferred stock there. And whatever is left over after everybody else gets paid is what you get in the event, you know, of a full, you know, bankruptcy. So, you know, that's how it works. But, you know, typically in these things, when they're doing the reorg, what Joel's talking about is they wipe out the equity holders and then the bond holders become the new equity holders. So they get the debt down and the the bond and then companies can often, you know, come back from when they've got this debt load off of them. And then the debt holders, that's what happened with GM, the debt holders became the equity holders. So anyways, that's, you know, just usually how these things work, but this is a market environment. A lot of funny things have happened. So, you know, who knows really how this turns out at the end, but I'm not putting my investment dollars into a bankrupt company. Uh, real quick, Genius Brands just caught a bid off a PR that Arnold Schwarzenegger has become a significant investor in the company. Okay. And this is this market. Okay. Not, not I love sense. Arnold. I'm a big Arnold fan. So, you know, so it, you're it's buying a, a stock. You're buying up a buck here. <laughs> I don't even know what Genius Brands does. It's a, oh, it's, I don't even know what they do. I know everybody's been talking about it. What do they do? It's like the uh, children. They produce children's shows. They're like a, a media company for kids. Um, so he's going to do Kindergarten Cop? Uh, actually, yeah. He does have a show called Stan Lee's Superhero Kindergarten. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I love Arnold. I've always been a fan of Arnold. I mean, it, think about the success this individual has had in his life. You know, they're one of the most successful humans. <laughs> you know, it goes from world champion bodybuilder to, you know, movie, you know, to governor. Um, you know, unbelievable that the success that this person has had his life. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Should we get a pop for that? Sure. I mean, I think it should get a pop for that. I don't know anything about the valuations. I haven't looked at this thing at all. But you think about the Oprah factor with, um, uh, you know, obviously Weight Watchers. With, with Weight Watchers. You get Arnold behind you. I, I don't think it hurts. So I think moves justified. Although I, I'm not, I don't know anything about valuation. I'm assuming the valuation is probably insane on this. But um, just, you know, just because that's the way this market is, but 11% move up for Arnold. Sure. I, I think it's justified. Uh, you just got to pop to 494. You backed off a little bit. I would just look at the, uh, three day high at 580. If you're looking for a target on this and, uh, supposedly I did do it. I did do this stock of the day a couple of days ago and supposedly, they're supposed to be on some pretty big platforms, and uh, this is just supposedly. And then it it got uh, it got Citron uh, that one day when it got up over eleven bucks. So a couple different factors in this. Uh, invest uh, invest at your own discretion. Yeah, you definitely don't know. It's a high risk play right here. Exactly. Yep. You don't know where Arnold is invested from. All right, let's bring on our guest today, Kevin Davy from KJ Trading Systems. Kevin, uh, Kevin, good morning. Hey guys, how you doing? We are doing okay. Uh, how has this market been treating you? Um, you know, just oh, the last few months since the last time I was on, it's just been uh, crazy. I mean, things are happening and you guys have been talking about it that just seem out of whack. And so the neat thing about that is uh, there's been a lot of opportunity that maybe six months before all this started just wasn't there. I mean, you know, the volatility helps a lot of traders, and, and that's kind of what I've been finding in my own trading. All right, Spencer, do I need to share my computer sound here or not? Uh, no, you don't. I don't. Okay. Let me see if you guys – here, I got Genius Brands up there, but no one, uh, no one wants to see that. Uh, tell me when we're good, Spencer. You got my screen up there? Yeah, we're good. 
Okay. Uh, first of all, Kevin, um, I drive everybody crazy uh, talking about rollovers and yep. it, especially in the S&P 500 futures contract. And you're an experienced futures trader. I just, uh, I talked to you about it a little bit over the weekend. What's your, you know, it, it's really complicated and crude, as you saw when it went from, neg it went down to negative 40. How do you uh, approach the rollover in futures contracts? Um, it's a good question. So when I develop trading strategies, I use what's called a continuous contract to trade, to uh, test with. And what that does is it automatically accounts for rollovers uh, on a certain date, you know, with the ES every quarter, with like crude oil, it's every month, it's a certain date. And the trick with trading these things live when you've back tested a, a continuous contract is just to make sure you roll over your any positions the same time the data rolls over. So where, where people get in a lot of trouble is what they'll do is they'll test with all this rolled over data, you know, that goes back 10 years, but then they'll trade live just on the front month and they won't know when it rolls over. And a lot of times some squirrely things happen during rollover where spreads between the calendar months just get out of whack. And, you know, the ES uh, is not as bad, but crude oil was a good example where in May people were trading that front month, even though it was rolled over, and a lot of them got caught when crude oil just plummeted uh, a day or two before expiration. And really, if you're going to trade those markets, you should be out of those front month contracts when the rollover before. Even the though the data doesn't switch over and the volume doesn't switch over, because I watch it on the ES and uh, the open interest is show, slow to, I mean, it's, it's making a little bit of progress today. But uh, the open interest really hasn't uh, shifted over yet. So, I don't know. I mean, I went to the contract on Friday, the September, just because it blew away all my June numbers. But, um, okay. So, that, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll look at that and see if I can incorporate that into my systems trading. Uh, you got some positions and stuff. I want to just go over these real quick. This is a sure. great segment. Uh, you're flat the S&Ps, huh? Is that because the the week of rollover here or you're just not getting any signals? I'm just not getting any signals. So, uh, you know, what happened this past week where you know, it plummeted and then it came back. And so there's a lot of indecision. So sometimes the strategies I trade just kind of stay on the sidelines a little bit. And that just happens to be right now. No, so sometimes I'm that. in it. Sometimes I'm not. Got to be in it to win. And just one other thing, we go to these other stocks. Are you trading just one system for each commodity? We will look at the U.S. bond here. Or are you, all, are you running multiple strategies within one commodity? Um, both. So some, some commodities, some futures, I run one strategy. And some markets uh, in the U.S., the 30-year bond's a good example. I have multiple strategies that I run. And uh, sometimes they are in the same direction, sometimes opposite, but they, uh, over time, they work pretty well together. So I have some of both. So you let things just run, like you program it and you go to sleep and you don't even wake up in the middle of the night. You just, you just let these puppies run, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, I do wake up in the middle of the night a lot <laughs> of times just to check on positions and, you know, because you really have to kind of keep an eye on it just to make sure nothing 
uh, crazies going on. And by crazy, I don't mean the price is moving, but I mean, your system. you know, yeah, maybe it sends a, a phantom order or forgets to send an order, you know, things like that, internet connections, all that kind of stuff can happen. So you got to really keep on top of it. But yeah, I just let the signals do what they want to do. And I try not to overrule them. And it's all technical, right? You're not, you're not using any fundamental information? Um, right. No fundamental information. Um, I use indicators, patterns. I will use seasonals. And so I guess you could sort of count that as fundamentals. You know, So, for example, like with soybeans, you could say, hey, soybeans have a tendency to go up a certain time of the year related to harvest. Or, okay. you know, but, but no true fundamentals, no. All right, let's see if we could get through uh, uh, a few of these here. Uh, as of yesterday, you were short the 30-year bond here. And, yeah. Uh, go ahead, talk about yeah. that. And uh, today, so far, that's not turning out to be that good. But, uh, you know, that's one thing. If you try to do this kind of algo trading, you just you can't be stuck looking at the monitor all day because it'll drive you crazy. Um, you just got to let the signals go and – you know, hey, if my stop loss gets hit, then I'm out. And if it turns around, that's fine. But I try not to get caught up in the day-to-day -day thing because I I used to do that, and it just drove me nuts. And you can't. Will you will you reverse on a trade where you exit? Um, sometimes yes. So the way I have a lot of my algos set up, they are stop and reverse a lot of them. Uh -huh. So when I get a buy signal, I exit the short and go long. And some of them have either a profit target and or a stop loss. So sometimes I'll just go flat. So it really depends on the strategy. Whatever ends up testing well is what I end up going with. I want to ask him a couple of questions sure, about algorithmic trading. Sure. We don't get algorithmic traders on here every day. Just talk about the evolution of how, you know, you go from obviously, you know, being a, a, a manual trader, a point and click trader to algorithmic trading. How does that whole dynamic work? Well, for me, it was, uh, it was pretty easy because I was a terrible chart <laughs> trader. <laughs> you know, discretionary, He's working with me now, baby. <laughs> discretionary trading, I just couldn't do it. You know, I, my emotions would get to me. Oh, should I buy? Should I sell? And, uh, oh, is this a trend line shaping up? Oh, no, you know, that kind of thing. So I have a math background and uh, a technical background. Pardon? At Michigan. At Michigan. Yeah, I did my undergrad there. And uh, go blue. So uh, I started just programming simple algos, you know, maybe a moving average crossover and, and those kind of things. And it just kind of developed from there. And the, the real trick is in testing the systems. And so it's kind of nice when you can test something over, say, 10 years and find out, hey, this made money over 10 years. And then you watch a little in real time and say, oh, it's continuing to do good. And then you kind of go live with it. Um, the problem with a lot of this algo trading is it's real easy to screw it up. It's real easy to over-optimize or add too many variables and, you know, create something that looked perfect historically, but it falls apart in real time. So that's where I see most people having trouble is they'll have a great looking back test, but as soon as they go live, it just falls apart. So it takes a while to understand how to do all that. What about the, like the programming, you do that all yourself then? 
Um, yeah, I happen to use TradeStation, but yeah. uh, you know, there's tons of other software platforms out there where you can just program in the rules and apply it to a chart, and up pops, you know, all the trades that you would have made during that time. So it, it's it's pretty slick, but at the same time, it's pretty easy to uh, misuse, and that's that's what people really have to watch out for. How do you protect yourself from like coding errors where something, you know, happens and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you know, and you can be in a situation where maybe there's, you know, some orders that are sent that are erroneously that you didn't want to send. Um, how do you, what's, what's your process there for that? Um, well, a lot of it is after I test it, you know, I look at the results, just kind of make sure that when I thought it was supposed to be taking trades, it did. So. Uh, that's one way to look at it. And then I usually let it run live and just watch and see what happens and see if Try, it's making a bunch of, of trial errors. and error. Yeah. You can see errors that way. Another great way now with these uh, micro mini futures, uh, the micro mini ES, which is a 10th of the size, you can actually just run that instead of $50 a point, it's $5 a point. And that's a neat way to actually do it in with real money and see what happens. And um, I've been finding a lot of people are starting to do that just as a test basis because it, maybe it'll cost you uh, 50 bucks a week or something to run a test. Uh, that's pretty cheap to see if something works. Dennis, you, do you have any more? Or I, do you want me to- No, I just want to back to you, Joel. Okay. Um, before I, I'm going to do a couple more commodities here. We we only got a few more minutes left, and we can perhaps do some more next week. Uh, we talked a lot about how the market performed, not so much the percentage performance when the market was getting killed, but Dennis and I both noticed that you know getting some pretty darn good executions. I mean, I know there's slippage on stuff. Just from your perspective, you know, during that excessive volatility that we had in March. Um, how are, you know, with you, I mean, obviously you have to use stops, right? You don't use stop limits, your executions. We kind of thought, you know, I mean, I even got some positive slippage on stuff, but we just want to know how, how did the market perform in your opinion? Um, it was kind of all over the board. I mean, there were, I think on average, so if I look at that whole period of time and, and over a, a bunch of different markets, it was probably pretty close to normal. You're right. There'd be times where uh, I would get positive slippage, which was really weird. Uh, you know, that's a, a congratulations moment anytime you get one of those. Uh, and then, then there were times where, like the ES, for example, normally the slippage would be a tick, which would be $12.50 a contract. And that was jumping up to two or three ticks every once in a while. So oh, okay. Still some bad. fills, you know, I was definitely getting nailed, but the one way I get around a lot of that is I tend not to trade a lot intraday. So I'm not taking 10 or 20 trades a day. Um, sure. You know, I'll take a trade every couple days. So I'll stay a little longer term and that kind of minimizes the slippage. Uh, Cause obviously you're just not trading as much. Yeah, excellent point. Do you find most of your trades like for the ES, are they executing your initiations? Are they executing at night? off to 6 p.m. open, in the middle of the night, 9.30 open. Where do you, most of your initiations, when do you find them taking place? Um, a lot of them for me are 
right at the traditional stock market open. So the ES, you know, is 23 hours a day, but there's also in TradeStation a symbol that you can trade just the day session. So it Correct. coincides with the stock market system uh, hours. And so what I'll do is I'll actually just use that. And so a lot of times it's right around 930. I have some systems that wait like 10 minutes after the open before it executes. Uh, just because sometimes if you try to execute right at the open, you get all kinds of crazy slippage. So what I'll do is I'll actually wait 10 minutes, then it kind of calms down and then take trades. So I do a lot of that too. So you're basing your system only on the, on the 930 to 415 data and not the full 23 hour and uh, 15 minute market? On a, quite a few strategies, yes. But I do also have strategies that do trade day or night. And a lot of them might actually enter or exit positions on, uh, you know, that six o'clock open okay, Eastern time. So, uh, you know, it, it all depends. What I try to do is not do the same thing with all my systems. I try to do a lot of different things. And then that way, when I'm wrong, I'm not 100% wrong, you know. <laughs> like, all right. Oh, one more man. commodity here for you. And uh, your short coffee here. Yeah. How yeah. In the heck, what are you going to cover that thing? Holy uh, mackerel. Coffee yeah. volatile, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, coffee's uh, kind of crazy. And I, I think I caught uh, in early 2020, I, I caught that downtrend, a lot of that. And then I was getting chopped up in, in March and April. I see it. But yeah. um, right now, I actually have a seasonal system that actually went uh, short like the second or third day of June. So probably since looking at that chart, that second to last green candle that I went short somewhere around there. So um, this happens to be a longer term uh, system I have. So I'll stay with it probably at least another 10 points or so if it goes that far and it might not. And that's part of algo trading is having to accept that sometimes uh, things don't work out and, um, you know, that might happen, but I have a big target on that one. All right. Kevin Davey is the founder of KJ Trading Systems. That's where you can find more about his systems. You can also follow him on Twitter at KJ Trading. Kevin, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Joel. All right. Thanks, Thanks Spencer. All right. Uh, 8.51 here uh, as I will uh, bring us back on the screen here. Guys, what are you, Dennis, what are you seeing out there? And just same old story. Yeah, um, we're just chopping around Quiet. the imbalances. Let's go look at the imbalances because that always gives us a good feel for where the market wants to be on the individual stocks. There is obviously significant sell imbalances, which you would see. But the opening indications don't look like we're going to get just – we kind of feel like we're, we're kind of priced where we should be. Bank America, 217,000 shares to sell, showing an opening indication of 24 currently. JP Moore, 105,000 to sell. Citigroup, 162,000 to sell. Wells Fargo, 163,000 to sell. So you are seeing some relative weakness in the banks. The only sources of strength are the COVID stocks once again. Um, if you look, Peloton, PTON is actually trading in the green. Netflix is trading in the green. We should move to Shopify because it's got a headline News. here this morning yep. that is really moving Shopify up. Um, SHOP trading up 35 points here this morning. Um, obviously, a source of strength as well. The COVID plays are strong. What's the Shopify headline? Yeah, Shopify announced this morning a partnership uh, with Walmart. Uh, I don't. That know. never hurts. 
I, yeah, I, I will confess I do not know the details, but it's all in the press release right here. It's, uh, and they seem to like it. They're also getting an upgrade from Piper here this morning, upgrading yes. it and from raised, yeah, neutral raised, raised to buy. Target, raised yep. the price target from 733 to 843. So lots of good news here for Shopify shareholders. I wish I was still one of them. I am not. I, I keep hoping that this thing's going to pull back and give me a, a substantial pullback, but it just doesn't. I still think it's eventually going to a thousand bucks. Um, yes, valuation's crazy for this company. You want to talk about a company that's firing on all cylinders? This is the one. So um, I love Shopify. Company does everything right. The valuation's really high. I wish it'd come in a little bit with the overall market so I could re-get my shares. I sold around six twenty, but no luck here this morning for me. So, anyways, from a technical basis, seven hundred huge. It's getting a little breakout here today. Eight hundred. Let's see what mean, happens. Let's see if eight. you can get some follow through here. It's good news for Shopify this morning. Ah, uh, you mean you mean eight hundred on that, right? No, I said I think it's going to a thousand eventually. Oh, I, I thought you said my, my own personal price target is Shopify over one thousand. No, but you said seven hundred is huge. Yeah, I think seven hundred support. The seven hundred oh, okay, support. Okay. We bounced off it multiple times, so yeah, you're kind of yeah. putting in another bottom, which makes me think I'm not going to get a shot in the six hundreds. <laughs> So anyway, Shopify is just a stock that just doesn't want to pull back for obvious reasons. The company's awesome. A uh, couple things to point out here. Uh, you did pop over 790 a few times, 793.89. You are 15 bucks off that. So high of the day may be in there. I think you might see sellers ahead of that. The other thing that I would just point out is that you had an, you know the big decline uh, you know, basically from what, 844? Did you have that eight? No, the 844 high, that was after that. I'm looking at like 770, 775. It's just kind of mid-range of this last little bump that you had. So keep an eye on that. Really the best number for you though is that pre-market high just under 794 for a potential long target. Don't think I can chase it long up 43 bucks. Another stock up this morning because they're hard to find. So might as well talk about a few of them. iRobot is having a great yeah, morning. They're raising on? guidance. Yeah, guidance raise for the company. Woo! It's up six bucks. Another stock that I sold very, very poorly. Um, I ended up selling this because I didn't want to take it through the earnings report around $59. And obviously it's just continued to climb ever since there. And um, this was back in April and obviously the markets helped that too. A company that's been doing okay, I guess. They're raising guidance. I don't totally get it why they're doing okay, but I guess maybe people don't want to go outside. So they got their little automated uh, grass cutter and they're, they don't want to clean their vacuum their floors. But the Roomba or Zumba it was Roomba, Roomba. Uh, do you know uh doing well we we do we uh we do have that uh you got the roomba we no yeah, not roomba i robot yeah they make that yeah they make the, the thing right. the but we don't thing. have the roomba isn't that i robot that what's the name of the product Dennis. i know we don't if you own a stock you don't have to oh own the you're talking about stock Okay. Yes, and you know where we, you know where this we got music conversation here. today. It must be yeah. Monday. Yeah, yeah, you're way off compared to last Monday. Oh, the Roomba. Uh, okay, that's what they make. I you said I have a, it, so I'm like, oh, you have a Roomba. <laughs> let's give a shout out, and you know why? I uh, the only segments I really play for Lisa are when we have Bill Santiago on, and I uh, he was on, and he talked about iRobot. And then she looked at the stock and stuff, and uh, we picked it up. I think this was a while ago. It wasn't maybe, the maybe last you pick time. up from me. <laughs> no, it was. 
What was he on? He was on a couple of weeks ago, and then I think he was on back at the end of the year, I think, in 2020. Wait. Well, this is also a stock that our old pal Gene Munster likes, but Lisa, Lisa didn't like it because he liked it. She liked it because she Bill She did talked. like it. No, yeah, not because of Gene. Because of Bill. Yes. I might have told her Gene liked it, too. I can't remember. But I know she pulled the trigger on it after she heard Bill talk about it. So, Bill, okay. Bill, loyal listener, giving you another shout out there. All right. So anyway, uh, up this morning on a guidance raise, their Q2 guidance went from a slight uh, loss uh, on a quarter over quarter basis. Now they're saying uh, their guidance for the quarter will be between 260 and 270 million dollars. So about 90 million dollars above the estimate on the Q2 guidance figure. You are off the highs of the morning here, but and I know I know Joel will highlight that fact, but still. Like Dennis said, hard to find stocks up today. So here yeah, so it's interesting when I'm looking at some of my filters and I see this trading up that much. I'm like, well, that ought to be a headline here. And obviously there is. So guidance rate is always a good thing. Again, I don't know where the guidance was coming from before pre-COVID, if they lowered it back um, before. And now it's a matter of them just beating that lower bar. But, you know, we've talked about that and companies do that. $83, I would say if I'm long this thing, I want to see it get up and make new highs. Because if it doesn't, this could be one of those that fades. Yeah, I agree. If uh, if I was uh, in charge of this, I would try and sell <laughs> it charge, at eighty five today. Uh, that's the pre market high. You backed off that four bucks. That's not a great sign. Recent high of the move. If you want an intermediate target in there today, uh, you got man, you got a couple highs at eighty one. Let's call it eighty one seventy. I mean, you got some daily highs to key off eighty one seventy, eighty two fifty five, and the recent high of the move eighty three point five eight. Two minutes left here. Again, the, th- the theme is you've seen the defensive stocks, Kroger trading up, Walmart trading oh, up, Clorox trading up, Dollar General, I just saw a tick green, full disclosure, I do have a position in that. Um, it's, it, it's the same story, you know, a little bit defensive, the market's playing defense. What happens after the open is going to be the big question. Do they try to buy? I think they try to buy the dip a little bit. Let's see what they do at 3,000. So maybe they come in. Maybe they buy us up. Do we fail again at 3,000 and start to roll over? Or can we get up above 3,000 and hold it? That's going to be the critical level. Dennis, you're dreaming about 3,000 today. Okay. Forget about 3,000. Why? We're 17 points away. Uh, Oh, oh, you're talking. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm looking at SPY. Okay. So yeah. Oh, because of the rollover. Uh, I got the rollover screwing me up on the future. So okay. I'm okay. looking at I, on the on the old we'd be under it. So I'm screwed up because I'm looking at the spy. On, on the spy we're at two ninety eight. So we're yeah, not two ninety eight. So three. Let's that. say three hundred on spy. I was a little hard on you. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I tell you what I would do if we were opening up near that pre market low, and that would be buy, 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 buy. But we're forty handles off that, so. Um, I'll just keep an eye on uh, early. I'll be watching mid range on the section on the session. That's 2961. And then for bulls to get control here in the morning, let's get it above last week's low at 2971. And then things open up to the upside. So that's what I'm looking at here for at least the first 15 minutes, half hours of trading. All right, that'll be a wrap for our show today. Thanks to our guest, Kevin Davey. Thanks to all of you in our chats. Please don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe on YouTube. It is money for uh, us in the eyes of the YouTube algorithm, so we appreciate that. You can always catch a replay of this show on our podcast or just rewatch it on YouTube. The podcast is available uh, anywhere you get your podcast, pretty much iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn. 
that's all of them. I don't know. Anywhere you get your podcast or just rewatch the show on, on YouTube, as I said. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice for those keeping track. This is a watch list of the stocks we discussed today. So uh, the airlines, Hertz, Shopify, iRobot, and Genius Brands. Uh, we also talk a lot of indices and futures. Uh, that's all I got. So everyone have a great rest of your Monday. Joel and I will be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. Until then, be safe and good luck. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.